Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. I am your host, Kyle Pagan, and it's a beautiful, rational Tuesday mixed with a nice, pleasant, a, a fall red October. Hit that thumbs up for me below this video. Subscribe if you're listening on the pod. We have a great show for you today. We have the guy who caught the foul ball in the Cardinals game Saturday and just gave the finger to every Cardinals fan in his section. And then we have Ricky Ricardo coming up, talks Phillies and birds. He had an awesome uh, call of the Matt Amendola miss. The no senor, no senor, no senor, if you remember it from the double dunk a couple years back. Um We'll be leading you into game one at 107 today. So let's bring on Kevin Kincaid to start. Kev? Pagans. Are you having Red October yet? Red October, man. What a weekend in Philly sports. It's great to be with you on a rational Tuesday. You know, before we shrunk the screen there, it looked like you had some uh, vodka bottles on the table back there. Was that Tito's that I saw back there? Little Tito's. Then there's also like a chocolate liqueur that hasn't been opened in two years. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there's like a Kahlua back there too, which is out and it's open, so it should be refrigerated. So that yeah. is probably not good. Um, yeah, it's yeah. all just it's all just I don't know a feng shui, a feng shui of a guy who lives yeah. in the city in his twenties. Um, that's very good. Listen, man, we uh, that's a good kind of setup back there for when we start bringing in the big sponsors on the show. We got to do some product placement. You know, we can put like the Monster Energy drink on the table back there, or something. So everybody was that a was that a Kyle joke? With the monster energy, because we just punch walls and we drink monster. No, which is the, no, which is I, the I, dumbest. It's thing the ever. first thing. It's it was just the first thing that came to mind. You know, I was trying to think of like what they, uh, you know, what 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 would what would be like a sponsor where you put the the glass right on right in front of the camera or something. You know, that sounds like it would be. Maybe we can get Four Loco on board or something. You know, there you go. I think that's the that, new Four Loco. I felt like a shot across. I felt like a shot across the bow. Um. Programming note for you, everybody. It's just becoming a bit at this point. Uh, Comcast continues to fuck me. I am on a Wi-Fi hotspot currently, so if I crap out, it's Kevin's show. I'll be coming back whenever I come back. I got a little taste of cable, got a little taste of internet for 48 hours, and then right before the Phillies game on Saturday, shut right off, and you know what? We're back to square one. So hopefully by uh, next week, I got an appointment Friday. Uh, By the time the Phillies are in the NLCS, I'll be good to go. We got to call the uh, the Consumer Bureau at one of the local TV stations. Is Action News still doing like the, uh, you know, I got or maybe I'll call up Jim Donovan and get him to come out and do his old consumer routine. You know, this customer says Comcast has been throttling his Internet, you know, and uh, do an investigation, like a real investigation, you know, make them uh, make them squirm, you know. Yeah. You who's the we internet. go there guy? Who's the we go there guy on Fox? Didn't they used to do those Fox investigations around the city? They would yeah, blur out was- the people's faces. They would bring them on. They would all. uh Put the black silhouette around him and give him a different voice. Yeah, he's good, man. We actually he was our competition. He was our competition when we won the uh, the award back in 2013. It was us versus uh, Schratweiser, Dave Schratweiser. Yeah, he do a good investigation for it. You know, he'd go knock on doors at Comcast. He could go up to the tower and ask him what's up. You know, this employee he did quiet quit on you, but why are you throttling his internet? And <laughs> he did steal thousands of dollars sitting up in the cafeteria of Comcast. <laughs> He but, did milk you for yeah several thousand dollars, but yeah. Well, I'm glad um, you're in your new place, man. You know, the internet will be there eventually. You know, we just keep putting pressure on Comcast and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, they'll cave eventually. So. Uh, exactly. So, all right, let's get into what everyone wants to talk about. Great, great sports season or great sports weekend, excuse me. Yeah. NFL, Eagles five and zero. Phillies mm-hmm. take down the Cardinals. Um, but we got to start. With the first thing, we got to start with Seth Joyner and Negadelphia because you wrote the you wrote the what are we call it a column, a post, a blog, whatever you want to call it. I don't and know. It, it wasn't very well written. It was just a bunch of thoughts that I barfed out onto the. It uh, immediately set Twitter on fire early in the day at like I want to say eight eight thirty in the morning. It was a nice, yeah. I guess, aperitif to the day yeah. for people. Yeah. Um, now, what I think is, I agree with his statement. That it's hard to be critical when they win the game, but it's necessary. It was an ugly game. It's just that when you kind of build up the same persona over the years of being the negative guy and everything, it's it's hard to shake that brand. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah, it's, it's very hard repetitive. I mean, it's like the same thing with him, you know. Um, at some point, you are what you are. But I did want to ask you though. You said it in your, I think your opening statement was, "Why do you? 
why do you think the negative stuff isn't justified after a five and zero start? In the immediacy of the of a win that pushes you to five and zero, and we are not even thirty minutes removed from that, uh, he's talking about the Cowboys could possibly embarrass them. Man, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Who cares about the Cowboys? He's talking about the Cowboys defense like they're the 1985 Chicago Bears. Enjoy this win. Analyze this win. Don't need to be talking about like the quest for perfection right now. You know, it's just that it's the same shtick with him over and over, Kyle. It's like defense was tougher when I played. You know, we used to blitz seven every single time. You know, these guys aren't tough enough. It's just the same thing with him over and over again. I understand that that's a player's perspective. Jalen Hurts says a lot of the same things. We need to get better. There's a lot of stuff that needs to improve. We're going to look at the film and get back. Okay, fine. But that's not how fans think, right? Seth Joyner, Jalen Hurts, former players, current players, they're all conditioned to think, hey, it's not good enough. We're going to work on it. we got to focus on the things that we need to improve. We're going to go 1-0. But whatever other platitude or cliche you can come up with, you know what I'm saying? That's great. I mean, and that's the mindset you should have when you're a player or a former player, that you're always looking to improve and you're always looking to get better. But that doesn't interface very well with post-game analysis, which is supposed to be 50-50. I don't need to hear the same thing from Seth Joyner every single time. They were good, but this happened, but if they don't fix this, then X, Y, Z. You know, analyze this game. Tell me what you liked. Tell me what you didn't like. Call it down the middle. Everything with him just trends negative. It's always trended negative. It's tired shit of when I played, it was like this, and we were this tough, and our defense was like this. I get it, man. You don't need to tell us that over and over and over again. And a lot of that stuff worked. And a lot of the Ricky Bo stuff, too, works when the Phillies are just okay or they're not that good. But he needs to read the room and understand this team is 5-0. and Man, they haven't been 5-0 and since 2004. It's hard, man. Going out on the road and winning on the road in the NFL is tough. They beat yeah, an okay Cardinals team, okay? They didn't play yeah. great. They found a way to win, okay? We can do all that. We got the rest of the week pegged to look at the All-22, to dive into the film, look at the defensive calls on that drive, and analyze the game as we go throughout the week. In the immediacy of a big win, enjoy the win, analyze the win, celebrate the win. And his shit, his, his shtick is just so old, man. It's just grumpy. It's just beyond grumpy. It's like, I, I there's there's always room for being critical. Nobody here is waving pom-poms and saying it's sunshine and rainbows and everything is perfect and they got nothing to fix. So it's the ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But for him, it's it's all it's always on that side. It's always on that side. You know, he needs to bring it back to the middle a little bit. I get it. That's that's his nature as a player. That's who he is. But it just doesn't make for great analysis because it's the same thing every single time. And I'll give him – I have to say this too. Go ahead. The Jacob – the person doing the Jacob Media Twitter account did him dirty because <laughs> yeah, when they were sharing the quote – He was not happy either. No, he wasn't happy about it, as as he should be. But the quote was, as they as they wrote it on the tweet, it said, they're going to get embarrassed by the cow- – blah, blah, blah. They're going to get embarrassed by the Cowboys. But the audio said – they're going to get embarrassed by the Cowboys, comma, if they don't clean it up. So the the Twitter clip did not help, of course. Mm-hmm. It did, it, but regardless, this statement was kind of corny that he's worrying about, you know, the Cowboys coming into Philadelphia and embarrassing them seven days Cooper in rush. the future when we haven't even wrapped up this fucking game yet. Now, like, I just mean, chill, just chill out, man. The, the the Eagles are not going to get embarrassed by ten for sixteen for one hundred eight yards. Cooper Rush, I'll tell you that. I mean, um, you want to crown the the Cowboys, crown their asses, as the late <laughs> Benny Green once said. Yes. You know, but like, there's a time and place to talk about that. I don't think it's like in the immediate a- aftermath of the post game show. Like, let's focus on what may happen next week, seven days from now, if they don't fix one thing. Like. I don't know. Does this guy enjoy anything? That's my that's my problem. That's another thing. That's it's another not that thing. This is not warranted. It's that that's that's all it ever is. You know. Yes, and I would say if we just did a, a quick rundown of like the responses to your article, I would say it's skewed kind of fifty fifty, kind of sixty forty. Like Seth's right, Seth's wrong. Seth's yeah. like it wasn't like a ninety ten. Like Seth, you know, there are a. a, a a fraction of this fan base that is like Seth tells it like it is. Now, is that because, you know, WIP have ingrained people to think this way for the last 30, 40 years? Um, is this because people, you know, don't really understand the nuances of the NFL and how hard it is to go out West at 425 and win on the road? Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, it still works for the, for fractions of this fan base and it'll work until, I don't know. The older generation dies out, I guess. 
Well, I mean, and look, there's a lot to unpack here, but I think like I want everybody to understand that my take is that it's like it, it's not that I, Seth makes a lot of valid points. He points out a lot of things that need to improve. He talks about stuff that they need to do better if they're going to be a Super Bowl team. OK, but like it's the absolute pursuit of p- perfection here. Yeah. Like, yes, every good team in the NFL can always do something better. There's always something to improve upon. You know, my problem with Seth is that they could win 52 to three. And his focus would be on the three points that they gave up, you know? So it's like, you can be critical. You absolutely have to ask those questions. He does raise valid points, but when the skew is like mostly that and not enough praise for the good things that are happening, then there's no balance. Ray Didinger was able to balance. Ron Jaworski can balance. Barrett Brooks can balance. Mike Miss on the post-game show can balance. What did they do well? What did they do not well? With Seth, it's not that he's making, not that he's not making good points because he is making good points. Just that's all he fucking talks about. Negative shit. Well, they got to blitz more. They got to get to the quarterback. They got to be tougher. We've heard that over and over and over and over again. Like if that's the player mentality, that's fine. But the player mentality does not make for great post-game analysis. In this case, other players, Jaws. Barrett, whomever, have been able to find more of a a medium there and talk about what they did that's good, what they did that's bad, do it in a pragmatic and reasonable way. It is not hard to do that. It's like you got this Buddy Ryan 1993 WIP crowd that's stuck in the fucking past who thinks that nothing is ever good enough. You know, they're 5-0. and Enjoy it. We can talk about the stuff they got to do better, but if you can't enjoy the ride while it's happening – why the fuck are you even watching the games? They're five and oh, this happens once every 15 years. Enjoy it, man. Try to find some like pleasure in what you're watching every week because the Eagles could come out next year and the year after that, they could go oh and five to start mm-hmm. the next five years. You know, do people remember 2020? 2020 was the worst season ever. I am begging you, please just, just try to enjoy the ride. Now, you've got the rest of your life to be miserable. And just just talk about the negative side of it. They just, just try to look on look on the bright side of a little bit of it and say, hey, Jalen Hurts looks good. The defense looks good. They're doing a lot of good things. We'll fix the shit that needs to be fixed. Enjoy the ride now, man, or else you're a miserable. I, I think I, Seth wants to smile. I really do. I just don't think he can. Because I think, you know, how everyone knows that it takes more muscles to smile than it does to frown. And I think his muscles are just allocated different, different parts of his body. I mean, have you seen those shoulders? Have you seen those biceps? I have get you seen it, where that neck should be? I like that yeah. he always wears a turtleneck because he doesn't have a neck. I, I like Seth Jordan. This is the thing that it's, it's funny too, because I fall into the trap too, because then I get so worked up about Seth Joyner when there's so much great <laughs> stuff to talk about. I mean, like the Phillies looked awesome out there. Uh, the union clinch first place. The Mets are playing narco when they're down four nothing in the eighth inning That's and they're nice. about to lose. I mean, you know, Ben Simmons misses the the net completely on a throwaway jump shot. I mean, there's so much like amazing stuff to talk about here, and yet I fall into the trap. Just well, that was the one that got the most pub on uh on, on Crossing Broad yesterday. I mean, that yeah. had an insane amount of uh, attraction. Yeah. Um, Let me just make a point. Can I make yeah. a point about the actual Eagles game itself? Um, no, it wasn't the greatest game of all time, but again. Six for 13 on third down, no turnovers. Jalen Hurts playing pretty much a clean game. Um, A lot of the stuff that people were – like fundamentally they did a lot of stuff right, and they won in a lot of the auxiliary categories that made them really good in the Super Bowl year. Third down conversions, not turning the ball over, you know, just being smart, Um, keeping the chains moving, long drives, right? They went – how long did they go at the end there to get the field goal, right? It was like seven minutes and 28 seconds, I think. A lot of the stuff – I think a lot of the complaints was more like game plan and coach adjustment, like look at these blitzes coming, where, this, where are the hot reads, you know, things like that. I think that were more of the like the cerebral kind of macro level, like game plan, understand the, the game kind of thing. But in the execution of what they were doing, they did a pretty good job with it. They didn't make a lot of mistakes. You know, they did enough to win. I mean, it's naive, too, to think that, like, the other team's going to play a perfect game either. So if you wanted to have the take of, like, the Cardinals gave it to them, okay, sure. I mean, the, the Kyler Murray slide, some missed passes, you can talk about all that stuff. But, you know, unless you're the 72 Dolphins or whatever, like, they're really there's not a lot of people are putting out perfect performances week in and week out. So you win ugly on the road. I mean, I think everybody will take it. Now you got prime time against the Cowboys, 5-0 and versus 4-1. and Everybody should be pumped for this, man. I mean, this is, this is, what, this is why we do This is why we watch sports. This is why we follow the Eagles. I mean, if you can't get up for this shit, 
then then you're hopeless, you know? Yeah, it was the it was the best. It was a top five sports weekend in my life. And there was one reason why it was. It was because one man made it one of the best weekends of my life. And his name is Joey. And he's on right now. And he's part of Brandon Marsh's crew. He's the guy who you obviously have seen. What's up, Joey? How are you? What's up, man? Uh, just so, getting out of class. Headed straight to game one. Are you heading to game one right now? You already know, man. I'm, I live in Atlanta, dude. Yeah, this is where we're from. So I just got out of class. I'm headed to Truist Park right now. I love it. So if you don't know who Joey is, Joey's the one who took Twitter by storm on Saturday because he was just motherfucking every Cardinals fan uh, in his whole section. Right here is the video. Look at that scared Midwestern Cardinals fan right there. <laughs> he didn't know what to do. So, listen. You you know Brandon Marsh. You've known him since like Little League, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, man. We uh, I moved down to Georgia when I was five, and ever since then, yeah, it was Little League baseball, Little League football, all of it. Yes, sir. So, who who was all that in the crowd with you guys? Yeah. So obviously there was me, my buddy with me, who I believe had on my jersey. We traded um, for game two. So the guy in the pinstripe jersey is our boy Ethan. He went to high school with us at Buford. We graduated in 16. Um, the other girl that was like kind of sitting in between us or next to us with the longer hair, that's his sister, Erin. Uh, she just graduated Duke. She's a head athlete at Duke. She's a stud, another freak athlete. And then the ladies in front of us, um, the blonder one is his mom, Sonia. Her good girlfriend, another family friend of ours, named Kim, who had a son that also played ball with us growing up. And then behind us, if you watch the video, my boy Ethan goes in even a little bit more pissed off than I do with the double birds, and he kind of gets grabbed back by the guy behind him. Um, and that's another one of our yeah, family friends. I was going to say, who was the guy behind him? Because he seemed like he was the, the dad of the group, and he's like, listen, they're yeah, just yeah. kidding. It, it, exactly, yeah. He's like, they don't mean it, but they do. Um so that's another one of our family friends from Buford. Um, they were in Decula with us before we all moved to Buford, like as a group of families, kind of. His name is Tom Nagui. He played at Baylor, but he, he grew up in St. Louis. So he's actually a diehard Cardinals fan, but he had to go, you know, he had to play. He, he had to play Switzerland in this one. He was kind of in the middle trying to just be the dad. And, um, and so, yeah, he was kind of, he didn't have on any gear necessarily, but it was him and his son that came up because obviously, you know, we, everybody knew it was going to be Pujols' last game, so he had to come see that. Um, so they flew and met us there, and that that was our group of seven all sitting together. What what was what was leading up to it? Like, why was it? Why was it like I got the ball? Here comes the middle finger. Everyone's getting it, dude. Everyone keeps asking me that, and like obviously, obviously, it's sports. It's postseason baseball. You know, the the underdogs are up. 1-0 and now like at that point in the game I think that was maybe the fifth inning and now we're up 2-0 in game two and so they're already pissed they're all already sour and I, I'm a sports guy for life I grew up playing all of them as we all did and I, I can do smack talking man I can shit talk with with the best of them and so you know nothing's personal at that level it's all fun and games we're still shaking hands but then obviously they made the connection like most people on Twitter did. Wait a second, that's Marsh's crew because you know he's a new yeah. guy. Not you don't see Marsh Phillies jerseys really, especially at away games. And so, and so then it got personal. Now it's you got guys standing up like, hey Marsh, you know Brandon Marsh sucks dick. Excuse my profanity. And then that's when it get that's when it got personal. That's when you know shit starts getting thrown, and you got you know head of security down standing in between our sections like you know. It was getting, it was starting to get real in your face. And it was only like a couple chirps after they got personal with Brandon Marsh that the foul ball came in and I got it. And it was just like, I don't know, man. It was instinct. It was second nature. I just picked it up and it was immediately, fuck off, y'all. It was second nature. So I was going to ask, like, were you always really good at giving the middle finger or was it when Brandon oh, Marsh yeah. got traded to Philly? Yeah, yeah. yeah they said, um, my mom actually has a picture of me in the womb. It, it's been stuck like this. <laughs> since I was a little guy. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know if dude, you I, uh, I didn't know if your boy got traded to Philly and then you kind of just like did your history write up on uh, on Philly fans. You're like, "All right, if I get a ball and I'm on TV, I got to go double birds for everybody to really oh, appreciate no. myself." No, man. I I know I know Philly's fans are where it's at. I'm actually a diehard I, I'm I was born in Pittsburgh. Uh, I I was never an MLB fan. I'm not a Pirates fan. They've sucked for as long as I've breathed. 
Um, but I am diehard, you know, Steelers and Pens. But as far as MLB, um, I grew up playing baseball, but I mean, it can be a slow sport to watch. And so I was, I never had an MLB team, not college baseball, not professional. Um, and so, yeah, obviously he, Marsh got drafted out of high school. So I started following the minor leagues and I followed the angels program for a while, but yeah, once he got, once he got traded, you know, I'm not necessarily loyal to any city specifically. Um, but yeah, once he got traded, it was immediately burn the angels, go fills forever. <laughs> so, or, or forever, you know, as long as he stays there, which I, I hope is a minute because yeah, man, the Phillies fans are just something else. It's, it's super sick. And yeah, it was funny because looking back and like reading the comments and it's like, you know, this is why I'm a fucking Phillies fan. We have the best fans. And it's like, little do they know, man, I've only followed Phillies for like, you know, six weeks. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, dude, it was, it was a blast to get up there. And, um, yeah, no, I didn't do any scouting report, but I knew anybody in St. Louis gear was, was getting the chirps. Yeah. Have you got anything? No, Joey, I was going to ask, where are you sitting today? Did you get the $14 tickets or did you get the $18 tickets? And- uh, yeah, right. Um, yeah, so so game one, we actually had some pretty nice tickets. And it's kind of cool because anytime they travel, and it'll, it'll be the same way here in Atlanta. And I'm sure it's like this with every sport, but I haven't necessarily noticed it since, you know, um, since Brandon's been getting us some tickets here and there. But anytime you're at an away game, you know, you have the – you know, all the players get, I want to say they get allotted four tickets, right? Each player gets four tickets, family, friends, whatever. And then you always have some players who, you know, hey, my family can't make it to this game. So if you guys have extra people traveling, you know, take these. So I think you ended up having seven or eight. So that's why we all got to sit together. But it's neat because you're, you know, the the section of tickets that they give to the organization, you know, they have them all sitting together. So there is really only like two sections in that whole stadium that's you know all Phillies family friends you know they're that group of Phillies so it was cool we're in a small section and there's only 30 Phillies fans around us but then we're surrounded by Cardinals um so yeah our our, our game one tickets were a little bit nicer behind home plate ish okay. and then and then those ones were yeah I don't know not anything too fancy um couldn't tell you if they were 14 or 18 or what but um but they they it they there were a thousand dollar tickets now so. Yeah, yeah, it's just funny because, like, you know, the Braves got got stuck with some crappy start times here. You know, I mean, like one o'clock, exactly. and they got like four o'clock tomorrow. I mean, I lived in Atlanta for like a short amount of time. It wasn't that long, and we went to Turner, the old Turner Field, back in the day. So I haven't been to Truist yeah. yet, but I mean, Atlanta to me always seemed like a melting pot, like a lot of expats, a lot of like pockets of different fans of other teams. But do for they sure. is, is is support for the Braves any any good in twenty twenty two? Um. Yeah, man, I would, and especially it's like, you know, me personally, I, I root against Atlanta until I die. I love watching the dogs lose, fuck the Falcons. I love hearing them all saying, oh, this year's going to be different, yada, yada, yada. Um, I mean, it it was cool watching them win it all last year, both the dogs and the Braves. It was cool. Um, So the fan base has definitely grown even since then. But I would say, honestly, since since Truist was built, I mean, it's super cool. I don't know if either of you fellows have made it, but, I mean, it's like a whole experience. You know, any game here, it's like you got the restaurants everywhere. Don't get me wrong, Bush Stadium was cool. I haven't traveled very much as far as baseball stadiums go. Um, but Truist Park is really cool. And, yeah, there's I, – I don't know if they travel. They're definitely not Phillies fans or the Pittsburgh fans that I know. Um, but, yeah, man, Atlanta, Atlanta fans, they show out for sure. And I think – this truest park has a lot to do with it. All right, if you get a foul ball today or tomorrow, dude. oh, we'll get- dude, it seems like they're it seems like they're they, they're target locked on me now. I hope I get a foul ball. It's going to be hell. Yeah. All right, we're going to be looking for you in the crowd, man. Maybe like a good like. Up yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go. I might. Yeah, that's what I might have to go today if I get another one. Um, yeah, dude, it'll be it'll be a fun game. Let's go. Let's maybe, go ahead and get up one zero real quick. Maybe a backwards chop. Finger, yeah, I don't know. dude. Backwards it, chop. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'll, I'll get a little. Uh, I'll get a little. Um, what's the word? Innovative with, with yeah. this. With yeah. this one tonight. Just practice while you're in your car. We appreciate it because you got us a lot of views and shit on uh, on, on social and everything and on the blog. So Hell I yeah, appreciate dude. that. Hell but, yeah, uh, man. Absolutely. I, I appreciate you guys having me on, dude. It was cool to tell the story and yeah, can't can't talk enough good about Brandon and all the marshes, man. They're they're good people. Yeah, man, we love him. Huge double in uh, in game two. Right to another guy who looked exactly like Brandon Marsh. It was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that one, too. Yeah. Yeah, man, it was. 
Before we let you go, what did he think about it? Did he see the video? Oh, dude, it was sick, man. It was absolutely sick. Yeah, he saw the video, so it was really neat. After game two, after the sweep, um, the organization rented out the ballroom and the four seasons that they were staying at and that we were, you know, shacking up with them. And um, so, yeah, dude, it's like – it was like you had the team that's obviously, you know, all famous, and then you got me, and it's like, you know, the the, the players' girlfriends and their moms and dads and fucking, uh, Rob, you know, and the, the GMs coming up to me like, dude, you're the foul ball guy, let's go. <laughs> uh, I was like kind of like – I was like kind of a, mi- a little mini celebrity within it all. Um, but, yeah, man, it was super neat. Did anyone was, that come up to you like – like, like, I don't know, like Bryce or anyone that came up to you, you were like, oh, shit, that's like, I watched that guy on TV. Yeah, uh, Bryce mentioned something, and then um, Brandon's made a close-knit friends with a couple of the younger guys, like Castellanos is a super cool guy, yeah. Alec Baum. Um, so those are kind of the guys we were hanging out with the ho- at the hotel room with and hit the casino with. And, yeah, man, they got a blast out of it. They loved it. So I got a few of them to go ahead and sign it already, but I got to get a few more and get that, get, get that one frame with the picture and all that. Who's the best blackjack player? Dude, I'll tell you what. A couple of them were at, were at the were at the bigger tables than me. Um, <laughs> but I, I I zone out, man. I have to say that night I was a blackjack player for sure. But Syndergaard was sitting with me for a little bit. Um, I want to say Bomb was for a little bit. A couple of like organization guys where I don't exactly know what their role was. Like maybe a couple of their scouts or coaches were with us. Um, and and it was a lot at once, so I didn't remember all their names. Um, no, but nobody stood out like crazy. We were kind of laying low. Most most of the party was in the ballroom, man. They had the Dom Perignon flowing and the the buffet, so that was most of it. Um, did they have, did they have the playlist that, going? Did they have the uh, the the Spotify playlist? Uh, dude, you know what? I couldn't tell you. I know they were all out on the dance floor. I want to say Marsh actually ended up taking over Ox at the at the after party at one point because he he's loves, a big he DMX guy, right? DMX, he's a big Uzi guy, man. He he loves his he loves his little Uzi Bert, and the players know that. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, it sounds like, you know, he's the ox guy for the locker room and always getting people hype. And yeah, he he does good with that. He's just a good team player, you know, like he won't be starting today. Um, cause you know, they're, they're big statistics guys and he won't be starting against Friedman. Um, but he'll, he'll be. Uh Oh, all right, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Have fun at game one. Mother F all the Braves fans you can. (laughs) Absolutely, man. Motherfuck them all. Phil's by 100. Let's go. I love that. See you, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> that was good. Oh, was I good. love that. Buford, Georgia, guys. Pittsburgh, guys, Buford, I guess, really. Georgia. Steel town. Yeah, Pittsburgh, um, guy. Yeah. Hey, listen, p- speaking of the playlist and whatnot, I know in our Slack chat, Dancing on My Own is a great song, and I know a couple people weren't too happy about it. Some people on Twitter, a lot of people on Twitter love the song. I know you are resident uh, Megadeth guy. I know there's not. What do you think of this playlist? I well, let me clarify. I'm not just a heavy metal guy. I like I, I like a lot of different stuff. I just I, I I'm I'm like a uh, you know I don't know I don't know a ton of the n- new stuff that the dudes are listening to. But it's a very diverse playlist, isn't yes. it? Look, you got Elton John and Dua Leap on there. You got the Dancing on My Own remix. You've got yeah, Pop uh, Bottles by Birdman and Little Wayne. That was a yeah, classic. Back fresh. Um, I was like junior in high school getting yeah, tena- tenacious tenacious d was on there too right um, yeah tenacious well, d that was definitely a shorter pick it's a very diverse uh yeah i think i don't know was it you who pointed out that we've come a long way from uh you know jimmy rollins and cliff yeah. Lee argue arguing about um country about, versus about, rap uh, pregame almost coming rap. to blows yeah 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 um no, it's 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 cool, man. I, I was not one of the guys in the Crossing Broad uh, channel who was arguing about who was anti um, Robin. No, I think wasn't the take with that that they liked the Robin original I like, version. But... I like the Robin better. I like oh. the Robin over the Tiesto okay. and the Scott Callum yeah. remix. That's just that's yeah. just me. I, I'm a yeah. classic kind of guy. I like the original. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know if everyone saw it on Twitter. Like it kind of gained some legs. Yeah. Like people got to people got to learn the chorus for Friday. We got to like Joey. people. I, I like Joey with the middle fingers. I like I like this one too. Yeah, this one's I, good. I, I like the one with the. Shop. I like this one. The Italian guys. Yeah. Do you remember? Did you did you ever watch ECW back in the day? Not really. Okay. There was these dudes. They had this uh this like stable. I think you call them a stable, right? It's like a group of wrestlers or something. Uh, they were called the FBI, the Full Blooded Italians, and they would just come into the ring and they would <laughs> Full Blooded Italians. <laughs> Yeah, it was like uh, maybe the chat can help me out because I can't remember. I think it was Tracy Smothers and uh, 
little guido i think was one of the dudes i think there's a big dude too um but i can't remember his name but yeah joey joey's gonna have joey can have his pick of uh his uh of of gesture of uh crude gestures if he gets another one today you know i like that video it reminds me of that video a little bit of those guys in like europe or whatever who are okay here we go yeah uh tracy smother the full-blooded the size yeah, of yeah. that guy yeah. holy oh it was shit. um it was big sal i think his name was big sal uh something big uh yeah the full-blooded italians little guido tracy smothers and uh a big big sal something i gotta hit up russ russ or coggin would know about this you know big um, guido, is that what his name was big guido i can't remember I, I, way before my time uh sal, sal. here we go yeah so, <laughs> Sal E. Graziano, the most Italian name. Like, I'm pretty sure that guy owns a shop on Passionk Ave. Hey, do you think Big Dom from the from the Eagle Security was an ECW guy back in the day? He yes. had, the whole, had the full tracksuit on. Yep. Yeah, Big yeah. Dom. Oh man, Big Dom. Yeah. Should we reveal? Um, should we reveal that? We'll say. I'll say something on on this episode right now. We put in a media request for Big Dom. We wanted to get Big Dom from Eagle Security mm-hmm. on uh, on the Crossing broadcast. He doesn't do media um or he's not allowed or something like that i guess just because he's like a you know in in the thick of it or like a security guy or something they they don't typically talk to the media but we said that there's we told the eagles there's an open invite um whenever big dom from eagle security vice president of eagle security wants to wants to come on it would be awesome i think people want to know more about him than a lot of people i feel like nobody knows about him he's just uh he's an he's a very he's intriguing been... character hey how does he how does a guy end up doing 21 years first of all being with the organization for 21 years is crazy he's not that old no. um you know he's in like every viral moment that we write about he kicked the guy out of the press conference Yep. He escorted the guy who spud stiff armed. He escorted mm-hmm. him to the proper area. I mean, he's like everywhere, you know. He was in a Chip Kelly commercial when they had that whole Tostitos uh endorsement back in the day. <laughs> maybe actually, you know what? Maybe this guy we're having on right now, let's bring on Ricky Ricardo. Maybe he knows something about Dom that we don't Ricky, do you know anything about Dom DeSandro? I know Dom DeSandro, but I'll go that. That's about as far as I'll go. Hey, he's a great guy. Oh, he's See? like a man of mystery, right? Yeah. We can't get anybody to reveal anything about him, you know? No, he, watched, he watches my back when need be, you know, on the very few occasions when that might be necessary. I would love to have him watch my back, man. A huge Italian guy. Uh, yeah. my back. Ricky, awesome, man. What's up? How you been? I'm good. Get ready good. for some baseball today. What oh, do yeah. you do? So, are you doing, are you, is there a Yankee Spanish call during the playoffs? Yes. Okay, so all the, the all the radios the same. You're doing that in the NLDS. I'll be doing Yankees. I do 162 and playoffs on the yeah. Yankees, and of course okay. now Sunday might be an issue, boys. Yeah, Sunday night. It all depends on scheduling. Uh, you know, I am. You know, I'm obviously an Odyssey employee, so my loyalty had not maybe not loyalty <laughs> the right word priority has to be Yankees playoffs, even over Cowboys Eagles. So I am hoping number one for a three game sweep over Cleveland. So we don't even have to deal with this on Sunday. Or if we do have to play, I I doubt, and I want you guys opinion on this. I doubt the powers that be would put the Yankees and the Cowboys on at the same time. Cause that's a, that's, a very similar fan base. Mm-hmm. Might be a Lakers preseason game that same time too. The, the Dodgers <laughs> might have a game five mm-hmm. in their series. So since that's a West Coast, then maybe Sunday night the baseball game might be the Dodgers. Yeah. Hopefully they would have a Yankee game on very early. At, uh, of what I would do in that case is I'd fly back from Cleveland Jesus. on my own dime. I do the Yankee game from the WFAN studios, which I have done plenty of with because there's not always a uh, a booth available for the extra radio crew. Uh, and then I just drive down and do the Eagle Cowboy game, and I do the doubleheader of which I've done plenty of those. But yeah, there could be some comp- uh, some complications on Sunday night, but we'll have to see as the week goes along. You're you're the Joe Buck of the Spanish announcing crew. Yes, I am. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. I can take that one of in one of many ways. I'm a Joe Buck guy. I'm a Joe Buck guy. Oh, so. All right. In that case, okay. Yeah, he, mean, he means that you're in high demand, Ricky. Yeah, hey. very high demand. This is always this was usually the worst time for Joe Buck between the baseball playoffs and the Fox America's game of the week. But uh Ricky, thanks for coming on, man. I mean, 
we we got one of your your famous calls just this Sunday with the Matt Amendola miss with a no senor, no senor, no senor. Obviously, it was made famous by uh, by the double doink back in the day. How the no senor come about? I always wanted something, you know, very simple that everyone can understand, both Spanish speakers and non-Spanish speakers. So on a made field goal or made extra point, an Elliot, or in this case, Dicker the kicker, the senor is something that is very – see, what, I, what I've tried to do for the Spanish audience – remember, the Spanish audience in the last, say, 15, 20 years has really just started to embrace football, American football, not soccer. I, I couldn't – you know, you told me to call a soccer game, I'd look at you like, you know, like, a, like my dog does. You know, I have no idea. But American football is starting to be embraced – by the Hispanic Latino cultures, primarily in the last 15, 20 years. So I call a football game very differently than your English language announcers because I try to, for lack of a better term, dumb it down because they're learning the intricacies of football. Okay, I remember it took my dad while he was still alive. He was a big Dolphins fan. But it took him a good five, 10 years to understand the nuance of a third down into why not use the fourth down? Oh, dad, we're too close on the other side of the field. You know? So I try to use very basic terms that everyone can, can understand. So here's the kick. Si, senor. You know, it's good. No, senor. It's very simple. You know, it's no good. Now you put a little emphasis into it and a little energy and everybody seems to like it. But I've always had the concept, if I'm, if I'm on the radio in the United States and we're trying to assimilate people anyway to be bilingual, the one thing I can't stand is when, you know, a lot of people come over and then they refuse to assimilate into our society. No, try to assimilate into our society, please. So I, I try to maybe Americanize the Spanish broadcast a little bit and maybe, you know, um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, you try to Spanish size, for lack of a better term, the English broadcast by pronouncing guys' names correct. Spanglish is the word I'm looking. Spanglish yeah. guys. Yeah. Yeah. The um, the when I do when I fill in for Sterling, for example, I'll pronounce the Spanish players' names in Spanish correctly, yeah. not the yeah. you know yeah. phony try to make it sound American type of thing. So yeah. I, I try to be that bridge in between and everyone seems to like it. How how would you say Dicker the kicker? Dicker the kicker. In or, Spanish? Yeah, yeah, well, I'm not going to sit here and, and give you the phony Dicker the kicker. You know, I'm not gonna <laughs> I didn't know. I, I feel like in Spanish, it doesn't roll off the tongue as well no, as Dicker no, the kicker does. Yeah. That's phony. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's why I hope a lot of my, which it is, especially in baseball, because John and Susan's audience, for example, on the Yankees, is different from, you know, uh, uh, um, Scott in L.A. For Fransky in L.A. have a, a, a much hipper broadcast. John and Susan are both, you know, one's 84 and Susan's in her mid-70s. So their demographic is much older. So I've got, the, you know, that, that 30-something, 20-something Dominican guy who's bilingual that loves baseball in New York, they listen to me. Because, uh, you know, Mark Anthony might be in the, in the stadium. He comes by the booth. You know, Romeo Santos is in the stadium. Jennifer Lopez is in the stadium. She stops by the booth to promote. You know, so I kind of keep it, you know, kind of uh, Latino chic hip type of uh, approach to it. And, uh, and and that way we've developed a niche. Ricky, what's the uh, what, what have you learned about the Spanish demo? Not just for the for the Eagles, but for the Yankees as well. I mean, is it younger? Is it older? Is it first generation? Is it is it uh, the I guess baseball is probably more familiar with, with with that game because there's a lot of Latino and Hispanic players who come from the Dominican Republic and Cuba and whatnot. What what, what have you kind of learned about those demos over the years? Yeah, that's an interesting question. You know, the 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 grandfather set is my core audience. But what I have learned is that the younger Dominican, the younger, the Puerto Rican usually is more bilingual. So a lot of the Puerto Rican kids are English primary. The Cubans that have come over, the recent immigrants, the Venezuelans, a lot of Venezuelan players, the Venezuelans are Spanish primary. The Dominicans are Spanish primary. 
So you, you've got to kind of carve your way through there. Uh, well, but to answer your question, it, it's a very diverse audience. Yeah. The core is still that 50-something, 60-something and above dad and grandpa that love baseball all their lives because that's the main sport in all these Caribbean countries. But now you've got an influx of Central and South Americans that are football primary. Yeah. But they get here and they realize everybody wears this blue hat that's got an NY on it. <laughs> that's a big deal. The Yankees, because the Yankees is a worldwide brand. Yeah. So they get here, they're Spanish primary speakers, they go straight to my broadcast, and I don't use cuadrangular, I say home run, home run. There's a lot of terms that have been Spanishized throughout the years on, on baseball broadcasts in their native countries. I'll take that, and I'll use that angle, like I said, to, to try to you know have everybody come on in and, and be part of the melting pot. It's interesting to me, Ricky, because... Um not to go into too deep of a rabbit hole here, but like, you know, I did soccer for forever, right? Trying to like do, do union stuff, right? And it was hard actually to, to convert the Spanish speaking crowd in the Philadelphia region to the union because a lot of immigrants and a lot of expats or their parents were fans of a team. They had like a team in Mexico that they liked, like they were a Tijuana fan, or they like a Club America fan or something like that. So they would still watch that here. Maybe they didn't necessarily care about the local MLS team, right? But, you know, coming from those countries, they don't have NFL down there, right? So maybe it's easy for them to to absorb that because it's their first introduction to it or it's the best league in the world, you know what I mean? So it's almost like kind of easier to sell the NFL, I think, to like a younger Spanish-speaking crowd than it is to get them to abandon like the team of their native country that their parents watched or whatever and get them to, yeah. to watch, you know, like the Philadelphia Union or something. Absolutely. Because, it, you know, and you, and you nailed it, it's the best at what it is. Yeah. There is no better football American football in the world than the NFL. In Mexico is huge. It, it's interesting. The Eagles in Spanish, I have a certain audience in the city, in the region, the Delaware Valley. There's a big Hispanic audience. Uh, I, I really can't measure. I couldn't tell you. I had a mic with a motorcycle outside my window here. For me. <laughs> so, and I know who he is too. I'll, I'll talk to him later. Doing a, a thing with Crossing Broad, you got to be quiet. <laughs> um, but a lot, a lot of my Eagles in Spanish audience is online from Mexico, South America, and even Spain. People gather their gatherings. Maybe one person will have the link in the computer. But I, I get these messages on, you know, on Twitter and, and through Instagram and social media and, and sometimes directly to my father. I talk. I talk Eagles. I do a pregame Eagles chat on three Mexican FM stations that are all 100,000-watt flamethrowers mm. each and every week. So Aguilas is huge in soccer in Mexico, as you know. And that translates, that's obviously Eagles. And now the Eagles have become the darlings, really, since the Super Bowl victory they've become the darlings of of the mexican audience and and the south american there's fan clubs aguila eagles spain eagles chile eagles peru eagles all over the place that make up a huge part of our audience on sundays so eagles are big in mexico absolutely huge That's awesome how do you feel about the eagles five and no oh. tough one you know on uh, on sunday but was it as much eagles fans in that stadium as it looked like on TV. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But I'm used to that. I, I've come to expect that. The I think right now, the Steelers were always the team known to travel the best with their fans. Maybe they've taken a, a bit of a step back because the team has taken a bit of a step back. They don't really have a quarterback they can relate to right now. I think the Eagles right now, of all the fan bases, the Cowboys fan base is built. They don't have to travel. The people are already there because they have fans everywhere. You, know, you look yeah. at what happened in L.A. this past Sunday. It was a Ram home game. They had more Cowboy fans built. They didn't travel from Texas. They're already there. Yeah, you know, that's Yeah. But, but uh, as far as fan bases that get on a bus, drive, get on an airplane, whatever it takes to get to an Eagle game, I think – Gang Green right now is number one. So what do you make of their prospects, Ricky? I mean, they're 5-0, and got a big game with the Cowboys coming up. They're the only undefeated team remaining. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but they they look like the best team in the NFL. Um, and I, I, I'm super positive about it. 
I don't think they've been tested yet, to tell you the truth. There's some things that concern me. There's still, you know, the two shutouts in second half and the weakness of scoring in the fourth quarter that goes all the way back to week one. Uh, but they still haven't been tested by, look, Kyler Murray shot himself in the foot on that last drive. All right, let's, let's, let's be real here. Yeah. And if it's their regular kicker, who knows? Maybe that's a tie game. We go into overtime and, you know, who knows what happens. I think they've had some some good fortune and they've been lucky on a couple of occasions this year. Uh, do they look like the best team? They're playing like the best team. But still, here's what concerns me most about the Eagles, guys. Third down conversion. And this goes back to week one with Jared frickin' Goff. Third down conversions against the Eagle defense. It doesn't matter. Third and eight. Third and 13, third and seven, third and nine. Teams are converting on these long third downs too often. They've got to get the offense off the field. If you've got a team in a third and 11, don't play a defense that might give them nine. There's a broken tackle. The guy gets two more yards. Bingo. First down, drive continue. I think they, they especially defense, look, Hurts has been great, but especially defensively, there's still some things. And I don't know if it's Gannon. I don't know if it's execution. But a lot of these long third down conversions really concern me. That taxes that defense. That's my number one concern. And then obviously, you know, you you, you got to worry about Hurts and him getting hurt, sticking his head. Get, get me maybe a Jordan Howard or somebody else that's going to stick their head into the line to get you a yard or two that isn't your quarterback. And especially, guys. With the way they're watching players now, and especially look at Bridgewater on Sunday, one play out of the game. Yeah, the concussion thing is going to be interesting. See Jalen Hurts on one of these runs, you know, maybe coming up doing one of these, and somebody in the eye in the sky saying, "Get him off the field! Get him off the field! He's got to be shaken up. He might be dizzy." You know, so I'd like to see them lighten the 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 heavy lifting workload off of Jalen a little bit. Just real quick here, Kyle, just uh, some stats just to back up what Ricky was saying. Uh, Cardinals were 8 for 14 on third down the other day. Uh, the sport radar data, the Eagles have allowed the eighth most uh, third down conversions this year, 29. And they are uh, also the eighth most on defensive third down percentage. They're allowing 45.3%. So, yeah, it's a big thing, too. And you know it's funny, Ricky, because when you go back and you look at the Doug Peterson uh, year the Super Bowl year 2017 the thing that they did better than anything was they linked offense and defense together they had the number one time of possession by far because they would just grind out teams mm-hmm. with the running game and then they would get off the field at the same time so you had these games that were super lopsided where the Eagles offense was on the field the entire time and the defense was, was getting off on third downs right away mm-hmm. so that skew there is is not the same as it was this year. You know, the time of possession is looking a little more shrunk than it was. So I think that kind of helps tell the story a little bit, you know? Yeah. That night, like I said, this league, you look at Aikman last night, made a comment I think that has now become controversial about, you know, guys wearing dresses or whatever the heck. But I understand where he was coming from. And with Hertz, he's one of those guys that takes those risks. And it might even be out of his own hands if somebody up upstairs – takes a look and he gets a, you know, we've seen him take a couple of licks. Yeah. And they watching, say, pull him Watching off. Carson Wentz for a while though, I feel like he's so much better than Wentz is at, at getting out of the way. He does, he does, he, he's good at, at turning his body and, and, and dropping before taking a punishable hit. But I guess you're not the biggest fan of rug, rugby scrum middle as we're calling it right now. <laughs> well, look, if it wasn't for the fact that, uh, that, you know, the Tua situation has really, really made it a sensitive subject, then maybe I wouldn't be as concerned as I am. I hear you. I, I, I'm going to trust Jalen Hurts. I mean, I, we saw Tom Brady do it for 20 years. And, and that, I mean, obviously, you know, who knows how many concussions went on. I also watched Brady get tossed to the ground. Not very hard. Not exactly Terry Bradshaw. You guys are too young to remember the Terry Bradshaw <laughs> sack in a playoff game by Turkey Joe Jones. It looked that one up. Where That's he actually a creative player. Kyle drives Bradshaw onto his head in a playoff game and didn't uh, even get penalized for it. So we're a far, far cry from that. But Brady just got basically just tossed onto the ground on Sunday by Grady Jarrett of the Falcons. And you know, here comes the flag. Got to take off the dresses. 
You said it. I didn't. Yeah, we're not gonna t- we're not gonna touch that one. Hey, Ricky. Um, what do you what what do you make of the Phils and Braves series? I think it'll go. Uh, look, I think the one thing I've said all along when I'm on WIP all year is if they get into the postseason, the danger with the Phillies is the length of the season. But now you've got shorter series, the Phillies become dangerous. Ranger Suarez is the type of guy that you get very soft contact against. I can see a lot of these Braves hitters with the big swings making very soft contact and Ranger having him eat out of his hand here for at least five, six innings. Now, this David Robertson situation is yeah. driving me nuts. I mean, I, I mean come on. Right? Oh, Martin Gramatica, David Robertson over here. Yeah. I mean, Bill Gramatica, whoever it was, you you need a guy like that. He would have been such a key piece in that Phillies bullpen. And now to have him out because he strains a calf muscle for Pete's sake, celebrating, you know, the win the other night. That's a big, big blow to that Phil's bullpen. Robertson's got a lot of postseason experience and, you know, say what you will about him. He gets outs when you need him. So the starting pitching is the big strength for the Phil's. You can see Wheeler going tomorrow, Nola uh, at home. Uh, I don't know. Uh, what do you think? Who, who do you guys think would be the game four starter? Because you wouldn't want to use Ranger on short rest on Saturday, right? Falter, maybe? I guess uh, it would be maybe Falter. But there's a lot of right-handed punch in that brave lineup. Riley's it's not a great. It's not a great answer. I don't think to that. Yeah. You know, let's uh, let's hope it goes three. Let's hope yeah, they just yeah. get it done in three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. let's just sit in Bank Park rocking on Friday, and, yeah. and and let's and let's sweep the Braves. Ricky, yeah, the Ricky, Braves. Listen, you were you were on the the you were on WIP back when the Phillies were making their you know were in the the heyday two thousand seven to two thousand. I remember I was calling the Phillies. Yeah, and you were, you were calling the foot. I mean, like you remember back then, like you guys were getting more Phillies calls than Eagles calls back then. I mean, there was a time where the Phillies were clearly number one in this town, and like it's funny because now anything that we touch on the website that's Phillies related, page views. You know, I mean, this is this is still to me a baseball town and you know it's just good to see this because it feels like they've kind of rejuvenated that that part of the fan base that's been in hibernation for lack of a better word i i am curious to see guys because if you'd have told me honestly if you would have told me that this past weekend the mets would not sell out two of the three games in the wild card series and really didn't have super jam-packed, standing room over uh, only capacity, even for game one. But if you'd have told me that the Mets would not sell out this past weekend, I'd have told you you were crazy. I am banking on and hoping beyond hope that what you just said to me has awakened the Philly fan base and that to get a ticket to Citizens Bank Park Friday and Saturday night becomes practically impossible. I lived through that sellout streak. Every night, getting out of there, it took us 45 minutes because of the traffic. And then these past few years, whenever I go and, you know, go to a ball game, I leave and it, it might be three cars in front of me by the light to get onto the, into the, onto the Walt Whitman Bridge. Yeah. So I agree with you. Philadelphia is a great baseball town, but it has been beaten down by the Ryan Sandberg era, the Pete McCannon era, you know, the Matt Clintac decisions era. Mm. So hopefully there's enough in the credibility tank right now after that sweep of the St. Louis Cardinals that people come out, pack the house this weekend, and as far as that team goes in the red October era here in 2022, that the enthusiasm comes back. And that will create anticipation for going back to Clearwater next spring and getting ready for a, what will be a very different Major League Baseball, as we know, with the new rules and scheduling and mm-hmm. everything that's going to come in 2023. Yeah. yeah, tickets are going for 240 right now on StubHub, so there is a there's definitely a demand for it right now. Just yeah. to even get in the building, I think the cheapest right now is 240 dollars. When you look at the Braves tickets right now, they're going for eight dollars somewhere, fourteen dollars. Otherwise, one o'clock starts off. The Braves have had trouble. Year after year, they've had trouble selling out these early round games. It would not shock me for a 107 first pitch on what is it, a Tuesday afternoon today, that they might come up short of a sellout today. 
Ricky, what um elsewhere with the postseason bracket? Um, anything surprise you from the wild card round? And then uh, what do you, what do you kind of predict happened in the rest of the way here? I was stunned that the Tampa Bay Rays could only score one run in 24 innings, and that happened to be a home run by a weak hitting center fielder in Jose Siri. Uh, I am a big Kevin Cash fan. I'm a fan of the organization. They do they do everything on a shoestring budget. And they win. And for the Tampa Bay Rays to bow out the way they did by practically being shut out, you know, outside of one swing of the bat in that series against Cleveland, I thought was shocking. The team that you that you really have to fear, because I don't think they realize that that they're maybe not that good, if you know what I mean, are the Seattle Mariners. Yeah. The Mariners are the team that could jump up in a five-game series. You give me seven games against Houston. I would heavily lean toward Houston. I'm still picking Houston to win the series, but I think it's more of a toss-up than people want to look at it as. Do you the see Mariners kind of the uh, sorry dangerous team? Do you see kind of the Mariners having a little bit of a, a Phillies mold to them? Because I think yes. yeah, like no, like a loose team is a very dangerous team. Exactly, and this Phillies team feels really nope. loose. No one expects much out of them. They got through the first hurdle, so all this is gravy. For both the Mariners and the Phillies. Now you've got funny. the defending defending World Series champions in Atlanta taking on the Phils. Sometimes the defending champion has a bit of a even they don't, without even realizing it, maybe last weekend against the Mets, when when they had to have those three must wins, maybe they're, you know, they their their tank runs out of gas there. You never know with a defending champion. The Mariners are on the way up. Like I said, they're just having fun. The Phillies are on their way up. They're just having fun. You know, here come the Braves, the defending champ. And then you have the prohibitive favorites in the American League in the Houston Astros. Would it shock me if the Mariners were to pull off the upset? No, it wouldn't. Crazy. Right. I mean, what a, what a world we're living in here now. Philly, Phillies sweep the Cardinals. Eagles are 5-0. and <laughs> The Union you know, are first place in the East. I was, I was on the microphone, guys. I was calling. I called that game in 2011. Carpenter against Halliday. Yeah. Game five at Citizens Bank Park. one nothing. There goes the third out. Remember, Ryan Howard almost got a hold of that pitch. It was a pretty deep fly ball that ended the game. And then Howard on his way to first base blow out, blows out his Achilles. And that was the night that the dynasty ended. Little did we know that night, but that that was the night that ended the Charlie Manuel dynasty. And turnabout is fair play. Eleven years later, that was 2011. Eleven years later, the Phils do it in their house, and a couple of guys, or I guess three guys, that were on the field that night for the Cardinals in Wainwright, Molina, and Pujols are on the field for the Cardinals. They say goodbye. We lost right. Howard that night, but it was, it was never the same. The Phillies lost Ryan Howard that night. The Cardinals lose Albert Pujols on this night. The baseball gods, 11 years later, <laughs> turn everything around. Right. Finally got back to us, yeah. Exercise some demons. Uh, All yeah. right. Well, we'll let you get going. We'll let you get uh, – I got to ask you, Yankees, Phillies, World Series, who we got? Who you rooting for? You said you were letting me go, right? I'll yeah, see yeah. you <laughs> Uh, that question I will only answer if my back is against the wall and you put a blindfold and a cigarette on me. All right. <laughs> okay. If we get to that point, we'll come back to you. Right? Point, you bring me back on and I'll give you an honest answer. <laughs> Maybe I just won't show up if I'm smart. True. Thank, Thank right, you, Ricky. See ya. Good yeah. luck. Ricky Rest Ricardo. That voice. Oh, man. All nice, right. Man. Um, you got anything else, Dave? Did anything break while we were on this that we have to talk about? I mean, I guess David Robertson is like really the only thing that like happened. Dave says no. So, all right, we'll get everybody out of here a little early because go watch the uh, the fills because I have to go. I have to prepare. I have to do a bunch of shit from my computer to the TV using an HDMI cord just to get the Phillies on because once again, let's bring it all around. Comcast is absolutely fucking me. Um, Kev, you got anything else before we go? No, nah, maybe later uh, on another episode we can talk about the Doc Rivers thing and the. Yeah. Uh, and the because uh, I thought that flew under the radar yesterday, and yeah, uh, we have a lot of time to talk about Sixers yeah. season and, and all this shit and everything. Yeah. I feel like Sixers are probably on not even on people's radar right now. Yeah, um, it was just hockey starts today. I didn't know that. 
Well, listen, the Flyers may suck ass, but at least they'll look good wearing Billy Lano's uh, clo- yeah. uh, clothing collection. You know, <laughs> if you're gonna be if you're gonna play like shit and look. Uh, if you're gonna play like shit, don't look like shit. Yep. You know. So, all right. Well, that's the episode that. of Crossing Broadcast. I am your host, Kyle Pagan. That was Kevin Kincaid. Thank you to Joey. Thank you to Ricky Ricardo. We will talk to you hopefully on Thursday when the Phillies are 2 0. Go, Phils.